as we continue our series covered by the, the last sermon, covered by hope. Won't you open your Bibles with me today? The first Peter, first Peter chapter one, looking at verse number thirteen. First Peter chapter one, looking at verse number thirteen. Let me find it here in my Bible. There it is. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible, and this is what the Word of the Lord says. So prepare your mind, minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the generous, excuse me, in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live, God's, live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge and reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from, a, from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver for those lose, for, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in the last days, He has been revealed for your sake. And I'm going to go ahead and read verse 21. Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God, because He raised Christ from the dead, gave Him great glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now. Lord, I pray that you would send your victory, that you would send your power, that you would send your anointing, your peace, and your mercy. Lord, I want you to share this message with this body the way that, that you have shared it in my life. Lord, let it mean to them what it means to me. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture that we read this morning, uh, Peter is writing here, and, and, and he says, uh, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. He begins to talk here about putting our hope in something. I love hope. Uh, I, I, I am a hope driven person. Uh, Beth and I first got married. My initial, my initial plan for life, I thought that we would spend our whole life in one place. Well, that didn't quite happen. But my initial plan is we went to northwest Oklahoma City and we started a church. And uh, I wanted to build a great church there. Side note, about the same time, just a couple years before, not very, right about the same time, within a few years of each other, there's another man went to North Oklahoma City to start a church. 
His name was Craig Groeschel, and he built that what is now the one of the two or three fastest growing churches and largest churches in America. Um, my church closed after six months. If I ever get a chance to meet Brother uh, Groeschel, I'm going to tell him that because I left, I let him build a church there. Uh, but um, uh, I say that in jest, but I say that with meaning. Sometimes when you let somebody get in the way of what you feel like God's calling you to do, God will take your call and give it to somebody else. Pastor, you mean you think you were supposed to have the mega church? No, that's not what I said. But I'm saying I did allow some things to come in my way lose my dream. That's another sermon for another day. I started telling this whole story to tell you what the name of that church was. The name of that church was Cathedral of Hope. Now, Cathedral of Hope, looking back, was a crazy name. Can't call something the cathedral when you're reading in a in a in a classroom with three people. But anyway, I, I it should have been it should have been Tabernacle of Hope or or or, or something small room of hope. But um, but I I wanted that church to be about hope, and, and I began to study hope, and I began to look at hope, and I began to realize that the only true people that can have hope are believers in Jesus Christ. Everybody wants hope. Everybody's looking for hope. Everybody wants to have a little hope for tomorrow. But hope can only truly come to a believer, Pastor. How do you how do you think how do you come to that realization? Well, my definition of hope, and I think you'll agree with this, hope in my mind is a, is the opportunity or the idea that tomorrow can be better than today. And if we can have hope. That it's going to get better. Have you ever been in a bad day? And there was nothing to look forward to in that day, so you had to hope that tomorrow you would feel better? Have you ever had your wife in a bad mood? And so, you ever tried to hope that maybe tomorrow she'd wake up happy? I'm holding out hope, folks. I'm holding out hope. Have you ever had a kid that just wouldn't listen? And ever had to hang on to hope that maybe somewhere the light would come on? Have you ever had a bank account that was hope of having a positive number in it? You ever had a bill collector that just hoped you would pay a bill? My due dates are no longer due dates. There, you know, we would love to have it sometime. <laughs> Forget the day; just sometime would be great. There are times in our life that we get down and we hope that tomorrow is better. We hope we feel better tomorrow. We hope we're happier tomorrow. We hope the next job is a better job. We hope the next year in school is a better year in school. We hope the next opportunity is a better opportunity. We hope this, we hope that, we hope this. Do you know the only people in the world that can truly live with the understanding that tomorrow can be better than today no matter the circumstances a believer? Because it doesn't matter what happens to me today, my tomorrow can be better. Well, pastor, what happens if the trial you're going through kills you? Then tomorrow I'm going to walk on streets of gold and my life is better. What happens if, if, if all of a sudden everything falls apart in your life? My God, on 
cattle on a thousand hills, He will provide me. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I begin to understand that it doesn't matter what I'm facing. God makes tomorrow a place of hope. We need to be covered by that hope. But we've got to understand what that hope is. Now I can go through a whole lot of stuff here. And the good news is, it's Taco Tuesday on a Sunday. So that means that we have lunch here. So you, you, you don't have to fight in line. And, uh, and, and uh, so I don't have to worry about time. Hallelujah. Uh, but hope has a beginning spot. Do you know there is a place where hope began? There is one place in the Bible that I find that was completely and totally hopeless. It was the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was, was a place of perfection. Yes, it was hopeless. There was no need for tomorrow to be better than today because today was perfect. When you end your day every day walking in the cool of the evening with God Himself, when everything around you is perfectly proportioned, when you never get fat, when everything works right, there's no bills, there's no, there's no nothing. There's no sin. There's no need for hope. But there came a day that a serpent came up. And the serpent beguiled Eve. The serpent deceived Eve and said, did God not tell you you could have everything? And she said, well, everything but the, every, we could eat of everything but the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh, so God really doesn't want you to have knowledge. God wants you to have all these other things. He says he wants everything, but he doesn't want you to have everything. Don't you see how beautiful this fruit is? Eve takes the fruit. Adam comes by and Eve says, Hey, I ate this and I didn't die because she didn't know how dead she was. And Adam said, Well, give me a bite. Let me try it. Adam ate. And all of a sudden, they heard the voice of Adam! Go for a walk. And Adam and Eve went and hid themselves. I'm going to get a big umbrella. They went and hid themselves because. Oh, I'm glad I got a big umbrella for this one. This is not a fully illustrated sermon. They hid themselves because they understood that they were naked. And Jesus said, God said, where, where are you? And they go, oh, we are ashamed because we're naked. No, no, I'm not saying naked. I'm saying naked. That's, that's up to naked. That's south or you're in trouble. We, we understood that we were naked. And God said, who told you? Who told you that? What have you done? They began to tell him that they had eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
And the Bible says, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord God made clothing of animal skin for Adam and his He covered them in the skin of an animal. Now, if I understand Scripture the way I think I understand Scripture, and it's not precisely laid out, so I'm not sure you can prove me wrong. But the way I read Scripture, I believe that Adam and Eve, I actually believe all the way until Noah, mankind was vegetarian. I believe because God gave, never gave them dominion over the animals until after Noah, until after the flood. And, and, and in the Garden of Eden, they ate from the Garden of Eden. Okay? Now, what are you getting to, Pastor? I'm telling you, nothing died until Jesus made skin. The first animal to die, I believe, was whatever. Whether it was a lamb or a goat that died to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. Now, that covering of sin gave them hope. It gave them hope that they could come before God even for judgment. It gave them hope that they could be covered in their sinfulness, in their nakedness. But I'm telling you, the skins of animals do not cover our sin. It is not what gives us hope for tomorrow. It is a temporary fix. Adam and Eve had a temporary blessing because they were covered with the skin of an animal. The sin of Adam and Eve required a covering to hide their shame. But the skin did not remove the shame nor the sin. It only hid it. Let me explain to you what the skins of animals are to us today that many of us think are our hope. Church attendance. We think that if we come to church, then it hides what we do at home But it doesn't remove the shame. It doesn't remove the sin. Some of you can sit in this room every Sunday. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and even Wednesday night. And you can cover up with your faithfulness to the church the sin that you live with. That be an attitude, whether that be a mindset, whether that be unforgiveness, whether that be a pornography addiction, whether that be a drug addiction. Oh, yeah, I said there's some people that are addicted to drugs that come to church every Sunday. There's a lot of people addicted to pornography that come to church every Sunday. There's even more people that's addicted to gossip that show up at church every Sunday. There's a ton of people that are bound up and tied up by unforgiveness, and they come into the house and they try to cover up. It may cover your sin, but it doesn't forgive your sin. It may cover your shame, but it doesn't do away with your shame. Church, hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? That's when you put on the face. That's when you get in the car and all the way to church 
You and your spouse tell each other exactly how bad you are. I know none of you have ever gotten a fight on the way to church. I've gotten in a fight with my wife on the way to church when we were in two different cars. We fought so much before church early in our marriage that about a year into our marriage, we made a rule that we can't fight on Sunday morning. And we don't. We'll look at each other and we'll say, hey, we'll talk about this after church. And in 24, 25 years since we made that rule, we've had two or three things that we got home on Sunday night after church and we said, okay, let's have it out. And we did. But most of the time, oh, she didn't win. Don't let Sarah's over there fist bumping bed. You win? <laughs> Dream on. Anyway. We'll talk about that after church. Uh, but we most of the time we forget because it's a demonic tool. But we are so caught up in our life with this hypocrisy thing that if nobody else knows it, it's okay. Hypocrisy simply means that we don't live a transparent life. We put on a fake shield. All of a sudden now, when we go into our job, everything's okay. All of a sudden now, we go into the depths of the night, and that's where we commit sin, and that's where we do things that nobody knows about. We have marriages that fall apart due to unfaithfulness because there's no openness and there's hypocrisy. We have churches that fall apart because people can't forgive each other, but every Sunday they put on a fake smile and shake a hand and go, God bless you. Oh. We think it's okay because nobody can see past our smile. We think it's okay because nobody can see past our outward appearance. But all it does is hide the shame and the sin that is inside us. It does not remove it. If our covering of hope is based on animal skins... When Jesus comes back again and he doesn't look on the outside of man but on the inside of man, he's going to look past your fake smile. He's going to look past your attendance ribbon. He's going to look past your personality and he's going to see the sin that's deep inside your heart, that's deep inside your mind, that's hidden. Nobody else knows about. And your hope is gone. That's not... While that is the birth of hope, that's not the last standard of hope. In Leviticus chapter 4, verse 27 through 31, we'll read this for you. It says, If any of the common people sin by violating one of God's commands, but they don't realize it, they are still guilty. Mm -hmm. That was a daily but earlier. Sometimes, we got to pay attention because we're guilty of stuff. When they become aware of their sin, they must bring an offering for their sin, a female goat with no defect. They must lay the head, lay a hand on its head, excuse me, they must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood 
and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offering. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the goat's fat, just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar and will, it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Through this process, the priests will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. The blood of animals is a temporary covering. The law allotted for the blood of a lamb to cover your sin. But I want you to see this picture. When they would come into the tabernacle, they would bring their sin offering. They would place their hand on its head and they would cut its throat. The priest would take his hands, his fingers, dip it in the blood and sprinkle it on the horns of the altar. Then he would pour the rest of the blood out on the base of the altar. Now I want you to get a picture of your sacrifice. It's a bloody mess. When you, listen to this, I want you to see this again. We'll jump here just a little bit. Verse 27, if common people sin, that's us. When they become aware of their sin, they must bring a female goat with no defects. We're bringing it. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering. Diane's getting ready for Taco Tuesday on a Sunday. But if I understand the way pronouns work, a pronoun refers back to the previous noun. When you take verse 29, it says they must lay a hand on the head. It refers back to the common people who had realized that they had sinned, meaning it's not the priest that's killing the lamb, it's you. You are laying your hand on the head of that sacrifice and you're cutting its throat. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get bloody. You're going to get bloody. Then the priest comes and dips his hand. Oh, thank the Lord I live in this day and age. Going to dip his hand in the blood and sprinkle it on the altar. When we hear that, we see a couple little sprinkles on the horns of the altar. That's for yours. What happens when a million people come in for a sacrifice? He pours the blood out on the base of the altar. We see a little bit of blood gathered around the base, but what happens when a million people come with a sin offering? Blood would have ran out the front of that tabernacle. They say when the temple was built in Israel, that blood stained the steps coming in because when they would bring the sacrifices, the blood would roll down the steps. Why? Because blood covers the sin, but it's messy. It's not permanent. The blood of the lamb cannot take place the place of the blood of the Lamb. It was a picture of what was to come. It was a picture of what was to happen. But we need to understand how mighty and how awesome it was to, to try to cover 
our weakness with the blood of animals. We don't get a picture anymore of what the cost was. That was only a temporary covering. We want to be covered by hope. And we think if we can get a little bit of religion, if we can just get a little bit of religion, it'll be okay. I got news for you. A little bit of religion ain't going to do nothing but make you messy. You ever heard the phrase? I've been back and forth on this phrase. You ever heard the phrase, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? There was a time I used to say it because I knew a few people that I thought, man, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Then I went through a phrase, I thought, that's the dumbest thing in the world. How can you be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? And then I realized what it really talks about. It's not talking about people that have a relationship. It's talking about people that have a religion. When you get a hold of religion instead of relationship, then all you're trying to do is cover your life with the hope of temporary things. You, th- you think if you, man, you're gonna, if you're watching this, please hear the whole sermon. If you're listening, listen to me. If you think that you can read the Bible enough to make you saved, you're wrong. The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is infallible. The Bible will direct you to Christ. But until you accept a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can know the Bible cover to cover and still split hell wide open. You think if you sing loud enough that you can go to heaven, if singing doesn't do it, it takes a relationship with God. But when we get ourselves caught up in religion, we get a temporary fix, but it only leads us to a mess. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 5. Solomon is dedicating the temple. And as a dedication offering, now why would he do this? Because he wants, he wants to show God how thankful he is at his presence being the land. He wants to purify the place so the presence of God can stand there. So in verse 5 of chapter 7 of the book of 2 Chronicles, King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle. Cattle. And 120,000 sheep and goats. King and all the people dedicated the temple. Now, I did a little research. I found that a cow has about 10 gallons or 10 pints of blood. But we'll go 10. 10 pints of blood. A sheep has about five pints of blood. That's going to come out to about 340,000. 340,000. They tell me that there was a room underneath the stone where they would sacrifice. And that there was a hole in the stone, and when they would sacrifice, the blood would run through the hole. Eight by eight room underneath. And I heard it said that there was once a man on a tour that got to stand in the 
And they told him that when they offered sacrifice, filled up that eight by eight. And sat down, so moved by that sight, and penned the word. There is a fountain. Flows from an He looked in that room that was full of blood. Can you imagine 340,000 pints of blood in this room? I don't know exactly how high we're going to be. We're, we're, we're probably going to be about four or five feet, maybe more, deep in blood. It's messy. It's stinky, and all it does is hope it doesn't Religion will coat your sin. It will cover your sin. It will make your sin icky. That's a special word. Religion, that's why religion makes you depressed. Because religion makes your sin icky. It makes your sin, oh, you don't like it, but you don't get rid of it. It doesn't remove it. Religion will stain your sin, but it won't get rid of your sin. We put our hope in the temporary blood of animals, and all we're going to get is a religious going to rise up but Peter said God sent to be a ransom and not a ransom of silver and gold which pay but it's the precious blood it's the precious blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that we read about in Matthew 27, 50 and 51. It says, then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn from top to, bo to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. The moment that Jesus died, his blood made a way to give us access to God. Why could we get access to God? Because when we become covered by the hope of the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't hide our sin. It doesn't cover up our sin, but it removes our sin. When we grab a hold of the hope of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about a blood that's going to hide our sin so we can go around and nobody knows that we've sinned. I'm not talking about a blood that's just going to cover us up and make us icky and make us stinky and make us nasty. I'm talking about a blood that when it flows over my sinful life, it comes in and my life is black with sin and it goes away and my life is pure as white snow I'm talking about a blood of Jesus Christ 
that brings a hope into our life where we can stand up like Paul and say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. I begin to understand that that hope that I have in the blood of Jesus hasn't hid my sin. It hasn't covered my sin. It has removed my sin. You know what our problem is today? We spend too much time trying to hide our sin, trying to cover our sin, instead of letting God remove our sin. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about when you come to the altar and pray every Sunday over the same issue, and then you pick it up and you go back out there with it. You haven't let God remove it. You've just wanted God to cover it up a little bit. I'm talking about when we get caught up in religion. We get caught up in religion, and we want a little bit of a covering, but we don't want enough of a sacrifice to change our life. We don't want to die with Christ. We don't want to be crucified with Him and be a new person. So we want to hold on to the old. God, just cover me up. Just hide me a little bit. God says, I don't want to hide you. I don't want to cover you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. You know why we struggle? You know why the Christian life seems so hard? Because we haven't found it yet. The Christian life seems so hard because we don't know what the Christian life is. Because we're trying, still trying to deal with our own sin. We're trying to figure out how to hide it. Some of you walk into church. Put on that fake smile I talked about. Some of you may get convicted in the middle of the night. Clear the history on your internet. Some of you may get convicted of your unforgiveness. Say, I'm going to try. My mama used to say, don't try to do Some of you will tell yourself that you're going to hide this or you're going to cover that or I'm not going to do this anymore, but you keep going back to it. You know why? You haven't let God take it. The covering of hope that I'm talking about today, the, 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 the reason that I've looked forward to this sermon in this series is because I understand that when we get past the hypocrisy of the skin of animals and we get past the temporariness of the blood of animals and we find the, the gracious gracious, precious blood of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden we can understand what real life really is when I don't have to carry my sin, when I don't have to carry the weight anymore, when I can walk free, lifted up, and magnifying my God because I have no shame, I have victory. We have allowed temporary things us from eternal blessing. We have allowed human ideas place God breathed. We have allowed our own mindset 
our own ideas, our own hurts, our own pain. To hide our lives so deep in our own hearts. We come in and we build walls around our hearts. We build walls around our emotions. Pastor, and I, I started in the days when we were supposed to be. All okay, folks. There's still conversation on internet discussion boards among pastors. How transparent should we be? Well, if we're godly, we should be completely transparent. If we're just trying to hide our sin, we're just trying to cover our sin, then we're not godly, which means that we can figure out how transparent we need to be after Jesus comes back because we're still going to be here. i got news for you, church. When you let God, Pay the price gives you the hope of knowing your life is Your hope looking forward is that I no longer have to carry the weight of yesterday. I don't have to deal with the pain of yesterday. I don't have to deal with the heartache of yesterday. And I'm not responsible for the sin of yesterday because I'm not leaning on hypocrisy or the skin of animals. I'm not leaning on, on religion or the blood of animals, but I'm leaning on the precious blood of Jesus, who washes white. This morning, of all days, I have to give you an opportunity. Now, I want you to understand as I begin to close this sermon that I'm not talking to people who know they're wrong. And there may be some, maybe some watching. Stay with me. But I'm talking to those who know they're lost. But I'm also talking to those that have been hiding their lives. You know, I don't have to tell you. You know what you do in private. You know if there's things you do in the privacy of your house that you don't want the pastor to know about, then I got news for you. You need to give that to God. I'm sorry. But because if you want to hide it from me, you're trying to hide it from God, and you can hide it from me, but you're not going to hide it from me. And you're living your life under the skin of animals. It will hide your sin. It will cover it up, but it ain't going to do nothing to fix it. And you're going to have the same struggle every day, every night, every week, every month, every year. And you're going to fight, and you're going to struggle, and you're going to have hard times. And I hate to say this, when you get to the end, you're still not ready. Church people, 
that are going to miss the rapture. And that's the good news. Because if you miss the rapture, I have come to the understanding, while it may not be easy, you will have an opportunity to repent. But church people who are going to die in car wrecks and die in their sleep never get past the Never get past that. Pastor, you're trying to scare us. You better believe I am. Why are you trying to scare us? Because I don't want you to die, go to hell. We're talking about eternity. And I sure don't want you to die and go to hell because you think you've got it hidden. It's not hidden. I'm talking church people who've got just enough religion that you fight with your sin because it stinks. It rises up as a stench in your, own, in your own nostrils. You see it. You know it. It makes you cry. You cry yourself to sleep at night because you know that mindset's not right. That idea's not right. That habit's not right. But you think if I can go to church, if I can do this, if I can do that, but what you need to do is give it away and let God have it. Just as I said before, you're going to cry about it. You're going to moan about it. You're going to feel pain about it your whole life. And when you get to the end, still not right. Because you've been covered, but you haven't been covered. Today I offer you the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. It's a blood that doesn't just hide your sin. It's a blood that doesn't just cover your sin. Wipe away. It doesn't just make it where nobody knows what's going on. It makes it where it doesn't exist. He takes our sin and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. Do you understand you cannot go east far enough that you're not going east anymore? You cannot go west far enough that you're not going west anymore. That's why it says east to west, not north to south. You go north far enough, you'll start going south. But east to west never stops. There's no joining spot for east to west. News for you, church. Doesn't cover. He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. As I used to hear, puts up no fishing. It's gone. It's not there. And if you say, God, Pastor, I've given it to him, I've given it to him, and it's still there, it's because you haven't let the blood clean you. You've gotten religion, not relationship. There's a difference. There's a different relationship. Religion will make you do some stuff. Relationship makes you want to. Religion. Religion will make you clean the house because your wife told you to. Actually, that's the way it has my, I'm in complete control of my house. I tell my wife, you sit down, I will do the deal. And she does exactly what I told her. And, and all of a sudden, 
Religion will make you clean the house because your wife wants you to. Relationship will make you clean the house because you love your wife. See, I've had both. I've had when I clean the house because Beth is like, nah, 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 nah. and then I've had the days where I cleaned the house because I knew that was important to me. Greatest Valentine's gift I ever gave her. Unfortunately, I did it earlier in our marriage. It worked, and I cleaned the apartment top to bottom. You would have thought I bought her four dozen roses, man. It was. You'd think I know that now, and I do it all the time. No. I left relationship, went to religion. I cleaned the house when she nags me enough. Not that my wife ever nags. Not what I said. See, our problem is in the church we did the same. In the church, we get enough religion to say we'll go pray a prayer. But we don't get enough relationship. God actually. I'm going to pray with the sanctuary in just a second. Right now, I want to talk through the video. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. But I know the precious blood of Jesus wants to do more than just cover you. Wants to do more than just hide you. You're watching this video right now. Say, Pastor, I need, I need to find Jesus. I need Jesus not to cover me. Not to hide me, but to wipe me clean. I want you to send, you send us a private message. Respond on this. I want you to let us know. I want to reach out to you. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with the video. Sanctuary, I'll pray with you in a minute. This sermon is important. Right now, if you're watching on video, find Jesus. All you got to do is pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. And I admit that I have believed that died for me. And I commit to live my life. Lord, I want you not to hide me with your blood, not to cover me with your blood, but to clean me with your blood. Lord, I'm not looking for something temporary. I'm not looking for something to make me feel good. I want a, the great precious blood of Jesus. Clean. Lord Jesus, right now, reach down and touch these hearts and touch these hearts. Pray that prayer. Make sure you contact us. We want to reach out to you, help you find a Bible-believing church. Not in this church. We'll help you find one. Thank you for being with us. Sanctuary, now I want to talk to you. Forgive me for that, but this sermon is This word is too important. You're in the sound of my voice this morning. If you hear me, you're sitting here and you've been battling the same things over and over and over and over and over. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it is. You may have built walls up and it may feel like it's so hard to let God in, but I'm telling you the precious blood of Jesus wants to save your life. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to move beyond hypocrisy. I need to move beyond religion and I need a relationship. I need to be cleaned by his blood. I want you to lift your hand. 
Yes. 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 Oh, and I got I got several. Oh, I else. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. I want everybody in this church to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I have sinned. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But I believe that you died for my sin. That your blood cleans my sin. And I commit to live my life for you. To follow your word. Follow your relationship. Let your blood wipe away my past from this day forward. In Jesus' name. I want to open up these altars. There are some people that raise their hand. You need to come find a place to pray. There's other people you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you say, I've got this covered, but I understand the struggle. I want you to come up here. There's a few people here. You should have raised your hand, but you didn't. You, you, you got religion, but you don't have relationship. And I want you to come and find a place. Let's everybody just find a place just for a few minutes. You kneel down at your seat, come to an altar, find a place, and let's just seek God. God, direct our lives right now. Will you come to the